So ladies and gentlemen, once again, good afternoon. Welcome to Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding. And welcome to the webinar, Successful Habits Book Club. Thank you all for being with us this afternoon. I'm Arthur, and let's continue to journey together in this wonderful world of books. Now, why this book club? Well, our success is a direct result of all the habits we have. The more successful habits we adopt, the more successful we become. And reading on a regular basis is one of the most impactful, successful habits we can all develop. Now, here are some wise words we live by. A book holds a house of gold, a Chinese proverb. The reading of all good books is like conversation with the finest people of the past centuries by Descartes. And there is more treasure in books than in all the pirates loot on Treasure Island by my idol, Walt Disney. And who are we? Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. Now, for those of you who want to continue to work, to search for your next big deal in real estate, you might just have what you are looking for. Now, here are our work from home automated systems, deal analysis with unlimited comps, deal finding with over 45,000 motivated seller leads, and premium, skip trace emails, phone numbers, etc. All the tools you need to get to your next big deal. Our mission, to empower your journey to freedom and success. Our core values, growth-oriented, champion mindset, and integrity. Our vision for this book club is to bring together a core group of highly motivated individuals and high performers to grow together. So please come and join us in our passive investment program. Stay on top of passive investment opportunities in the real estate IQ community. For program benefits, networking opportunities, etc., please visit the, the link realestateiq.lpages.co slash invest with us. Don't worry, we're gonna put the link right into the chat box. And this is our timeline for this afternoon. We're currently doing the introduction, and in a while, we're going to be doing the highlights of sections two and three of the book. And of course, we're going to have the bulk of our time discussion with the panelists as they share to us their experiences. And of course, we're going to have a little bit of, you know, online networking for the last 10 minutes of this hour. And a disclaimer. All information in the presentation is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. So may I have this pleasure of introducing our distinguished members of the panel who will help us dissect the lessons of this book. So first up, our first panelist is in residential and commercial real estate, communication, and of course, creative problem solving. And he deals structuring and strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, real investor, yeah, real estate investor, coach and speaker, Mr. Brent Mott. Did y'all see my, uh, my edited sweater in the picture before this? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> And our second panelist is in the area of international business consulting, business development, investment strategies, and market analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, the founder of U Property Investment, Winson Industries, LLC, the senior vice president of Keynesville Capital and vice president of David Christopher and Associate. Friends, here's Mr. John Yu. Hey guys. 
and in a while he'll be joining us later, but he's called the closer because he's a closer of deals, offering complete end-to-end -end turnkey support and power team. The president of Briar Court Homes, Mr. Michael Jeftas. And this is the book we're going to be discussing today, Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Joko Willink. So we're going to be tackling sections two and three. And here's the highlight and summary. Section two, core tenets. Subsection A, be capable and ask for help. Be familiar with what your people are doing. Learn what they know. At the very least, know what they do. Understand the challenges your workers are going through firsthand. When you get your hands dirty with the frontline troops, you get to know them and you build relationships. And they tell you what is working and what isn't. Subsection B, building trust and relationship. Relationships are built on trust. Teams are built on relationships. Build trust on small incremental steps. Tell the truth to your bosses, not what they want to hear. Make sure your team understands why a certain task has to be done and don't bark orders. Subsection C, earning influence and respect. Rank and position carry some level of respect and influence. The leader needs to build on this initial platform. <laughs> we have to treat people with respect, listen to them, allow them to give their opinion. And by listening to your team, you let them influence you. And the more influence your team has on you, the more respect you gain, and that translates to more influence you have over them. Subsection D, extreme ownership of everything. When something goes wrong, it is always the leader's fault. When people take ownership of their job, the job gets done. Extreme ownership is being responsible for every action the team makes. Now leaders take ownership of a problem before they take place so layers of contingency may be prepared ahead of time. Now the leaders must mitigate the problem before they happen. Subsection E, picking up grass. Every after military exercise, soldiers go out in the field to pick up grass. Leaders pick up grass with the team. There is no job too small or menial for the leaders to do. Now leaders must set an example. Subsection F, leading from the rear. Leader must lead in front when setting an example. When leaders lead in this manner, people will follow. Know when to take risks, know when not to. Take a step back and let the team lead. Oversee from the rear. Subsection G, don't overreact. Always be level-headed. Now, from time to time, pause and assess the situation. H, don't care. Now, this is another form of detachment called I don't care. Now, it is the ability to walk away. Now, many of our feelings are tied to our egos. So let your ego go. Learn not to care. I, everyone is the same. Everyone is different. Be ready to approach different people by using different leadership tools. Now, recognize the strengths, weaknesses, 
individuality and uniqueness of each member of the team and use this to deliver success to your mission. J, let nature work. People are the product of both nature and nurture. Match the personal attributes of your team with their job. Now give them jobs that are best suited to their talents, characters, and personalities. K, isolation as a leader. As a leader, be comfortable being alone. It can be lonely at the top. A leader must keep his relationships under control. Subsection L, know what is important and what isn't. Now make sure to see past insignificant movements. Ignore trivial actions, focus on what truly matters and discriminate between what is important to what is not. And here are the highlights of section three principles. Beginning with A, the most important member of the team. Every member could easily become the most important person depending on the circumstances. Everyone has the most important job. Let them know that. B, span of control. Lead the team big enough to perform the task, but small enough to be able to maintain quality control. C, taking care of your people with discipline. Now, discipline is the best way to take care of your people. Now, push your people toward their goals. Impose discipline. Optimum discipline by the team is not imposed by the leader. It is chosen by the team itself. Subsection E, pride. Now, when people have pride, they give the extra work and can be visible in their appearance and the quality of their work. Pride allows team members to hold each other to a higher standard. F, giving orders. Give the mission objectives and allow the team members to fill in the gap to give them some sense of ownership. Don't just give every single order to your team. Give them the big picture and allow them to work on their small pictures. G, yes man. Don't surround yourself with people who say yes to you all the time. Encourage your team to think and question you. H, the exception to no bad teams, only bad leaders. You know, sometimes there are good teams with bad leaders. This happens when there are team members who lead regardless of rank. So just because the team is performing well, it doesn't necessarily mean the leader is the driver of that success. So that's the highlights of sections two and three. So let me now give the floor to our panelists, John, Brand, and Michael. Just in time, Michael. We were waiting Thank for you. Thank you. I was actually just working on a million dollar deal. Awesome. Nice. Love Houston. The house, what, is, what, what you got? A uh, wedding venue. Ooh. It's actually an office, actually an office that, I'm, that we're looking to try and turn into uh, an events venue. That's, um, I, I want to talk about that. Uh, uh, we, were, we were talking about sticking. So one of the things in one, in one of the chapters, and I'll bring this up again, uh, my cousin, Josh, uh, uh, runs my acquisitions, and he's got this, uh, it, it's 180 acres in the middle of nowhere. And he's got it, on, he's got it ready to go under contract at $4,000 an acre, which is a great price if you're looking for 180 acres in the middle of nowhere. And he's sitting here telling me 
you know, we can turn this into a wedding venue and it's going to be great. We, and we're going to do this. And I said, what do you, what do you know about wedding venues? <laughs> well, they're expensive. Well, Does he ever yeah. even get married? Yeah, no, no. He's so that's part of, he's getting married in February. Um, okay. and, and I said, Josh, we're, what, we don't know anything about wedding venues. And we, we have a three-way partnership with me, him, and Aaron. I go, between the three of us, we're probably the least three romantic people on the planet. We, we have no, we, no business whatsoever doing a wedding venue. And uh, what he was talking, so what he was talking about, what Jocko was talking about, was letting, letting your subordinate, and um, Josh isn't my subordinate, we're partners, um, but I do a lot of mentoring uh, for him. Um, but one of the things that, um, that Jocko talks about is, you know, if somebody on your, if somebody on your team has an idea that doesn't align up with the mission goals, okay. Instead of just telling them, no, that's stupid, which that, that would have, that would have ended the, con that, that's what Judy wanted me to do. Cause I was in the car with Judy while I was having this conversation. And just, instead of just saying, no, we're not going to start a wedding venue. We have no business or we don't run operations businesses. That is not something that we do. Um, we, we do a lot of different asset classes. We do a lot of crazy, weird deals. Operations businesses isn't one of them, let alone wedding venues. So I, and instead of just saying, no, that's a stupid idea, I said, okay, well, who's going who's gonna to run that for us? Okay, what's this going to cost? How many, how many weekends a year um, is that, is that going to help us? Uh, what is what is the break even point? So um, that that's something that that resonates with me. So it's funny that you're working on a wedding venue. He also wants to buy it. He's got a church under contract. Do you have any church buyers on your buyers list, Michael? Uh, no, but I have people who can get you access to a lot of holy water. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, guys, we, we we're covering a lot in this. If it's all right, I'm just going to kind of do like I did last time and just run through. And stuff that resonated with me. Stop me if if uh, if I'm passing over. This was an awesome that. section. I really like this section. I I love this book. I I, love, I, I I say that about all the books that we read, but I really I'm really liking this one. Um, so first page, uh, the leader must be familiar with what goes on below him in the chain of command. Um, th this is one thing that I see a lot of uh, new investors come in. How I. You know, I started investing in real estate last week. How do I outsource cold calling? Well, you, you don't. How, how are you going to outsource something that you know nothing about? What, what, what <laughs> you, you've got to, you've got to go through and go through the ranks and, and know what we're talking about. Acquisitions is one of the hardest things to outsource. You can do it. Michael, Michael built a business model around being the outsource for acquisitions but I doubt that you're doing a lot of cold calling for other people. <laughs> I, I don't, very I don't true. that that's something that that's really hard um, to outsource. So you but, but, but Brent to that point, it's sort of like in my door knocking class when I say that it's like combat training, everybody, no matter how much you hate it, you need to knock doors. The experience of being put on the spot of not knowing what to say of looking them dead in the eye will benefit you a million times over your real estate career. Yeah. And just get cussed out a few times. And then, yeah, and then, get used to it. Anymore. And, and then it's done. 
Um, another thing that he talked about is, is you got to put your ego in check when you don't know and ask for help. Um, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, it's kind of, so I'm starting this hedge fund. Uh, there's a lot of times that I'm, that I'm talking to my attorneys that I'm, you know, I don't know what that word means. What, what does that word mean? Um, and I'm putting my ego in check telling somebody, no, I'm paying them a bunch of money for them to educate me as well as do my documents. But I mean, it, it's a, it's a little bit of a, I mean, you know, I'm a successful real estate investor and I don't know what some of these legal terms mean. Um, mm-hmm. I'm doing, I'm doing a 1031 exchange. I'm doing a 1031 exchange and I can't get a straight answer, um, from the, the 1031 intermediary. Um, it's kind of like quest can't give you, uh, investment advice. The 1031 intermediary can't answer any legal questions. All they can do is hold your money. And they, they sent me an, they forwarded an email from their attorney that I'm like, is this even written in English? I, I, I don't even know what this means. So I had to forward that to um, one of my business partners to say, hey, can, can you help me English this? And then I felt better because Aaron didn't know what any of it meant either. He's like, you just, you just need to pay your CPA, um, have, have your P- CPA tell you. And then I decided, no, I know that if I buy at least $600,000 worth of real estate, I'm going to be okay, so I'll just do that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, that's just a don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, complete ignorance uh, uh, of what is happening on the front lines make you appear out of touch. And yes, the troops will lose respect for you. Um, so you've got you've to know what's going on at every level of your business. Uh, when you have relationships with the frontline troops, they'll actually tell you what is going on. They'll give you information. So this is, this is more as, as you're growing your business. Uh, most of us are entrepreneurs um, and there's not that, um, well, we may be decentralizing command. I don't, I don't have anybody that's not a direct report at this point. Like every, everybody that I work with comes straight to me. There's not a, we don't, there's no middle management. So it's not something that, um, is applicable right now, but I plan to, I plan to scale this. I plan to scale my business, um, and have different, um, aspects. Um, because I'm, I'm planning on being in a position to buy 180 to 360 houses a year. Um, once I'm at that, I'm going to have, you know, acquisitions people, and then I'm going to have acquisitions managers in each, um, in each Metro. And I'm going to have a central acquisitions manager that it does several rounds before it gets to me. And that's just one of the ways that I envision, uh, growing my business. But as of right now, um, I, there, there's no middle management. There's a, everybody reports, um, directly to me or one of my business partners. But Brent, I would argue that you still have decentralized command. And, oh. and the way I would say that is like, like when I look at Chris Alcido and I, today I made two decisions, didn't engage him. And I texted him. I said, hey, FYI, just so you'll know, this is what I did. And vice versa. He did the same yesterday. And to me, you still have extreme ownership mm-hmm. because we all make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. Yep. But I would argue that that's still decentralized versus no, sorry, Chris, that's all you do. And I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yep. And, and I mean, there's... Um, on, on both this church and, uh, the 180 acres in the middle of nowhere, I told Josh, if you, if you can wholesale that, that's all you, that, that's all you, you, I, that doesn't fit my model, but if you want to do it, sell it and make some money, make lots of money. Um, 
Uh, building trust and relationships. So, uh, Michael, this is what you're just talking about. If two people trust each other, they have a relationship. If there is no trust, there is no relationship. Um, if, it, if it's a single family house, if it's a single family house, if Josh calls me and says, hey, this is a good deal, buy it. Sign it up. Let's do it. I, we don't, you don't need my approval on it. If you want to buy 200 acres in the middle of nowhere, no, I'm not signing off on that. You don't have the, you don't have the, the authority. Uh, uh, well, you can put it under contract. I'm not raising money for it. Um, if a, uh, so this is uh, the down the chain. If a subordinate uh, failed in carrying out a mission uh, or making the right decision or solving a problem, I wouldn't drop the hammer of punishment on them. So what's kind of funny um, I know David asked, uh, is on the call, and he listens to, to the MF CEO project. So it's Andy Frisella's podcast. And that's, I, I listened to that. I'm, I'm listening to a podcast from 2015, and it's awesome. Um, it, he swears a little bit more than I do on, on camera. Um, uh, the MF stands what, for what you think it stands for. But he was actually talking about this, too. When, uh, when an employee... Many freedoms. What? Many fritos. Yep. Yes. That's exactly what it stands for. Um, uh, uh, mother fritos. Uh, oh yes. Or uh, the mother of all fritos. Exactly. Exactly. But when when an employee screws up, if you fire them, you just spend a lot of money training somebody for somebody else. Um, so uh, my assistant. So. I always want people to grow up. So my former assistant is now my property manager. Uh, and she's the broker for my property management company. Um, at one point, she screwed up my marketing. She, she was in charge of my marketing. And she didn't edit a list correctly on, on Excel. Um, and I sent out $7,000, $7,000 worth of marketing that I did not want to send out that I did not intend to. And it would have been really easy to be like, you're done, you screwed up, you're out. But instead it's a, what, what went wrong here? How do we make sure we don't do that in the future? So uh, if I had just fired her, that would have been you know, a really expensive way to train an employee for somebody else. Um, up the chain, you have to tell the, the truth, but remember this does not give you permission to complain. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's real difficult to figure out which way I lean politically. Um, but one thing that, that is really pissing me off right now is all the libertarians that think that being a libertarian means you just gripe about everything. No, that, that's not what it means. I, to, I am a, I am a libertarian, meaning I don't want, um, I want as little government control as possible. I am all about personal responsibility. What most libertarians mean is that they just get a, I'm going to start swearing on this sometimes. They just get a bitch about everything. And that, that's not what it is. So um, telling the truth isn't just a license to complain whenever you want to complain. Um, that, that's not what this is all about. Um, but that, that's one thing that, that really sticks out to me. Nobody, nobody likes somebody that complains. Um, and don't have a complaint if you don't have a solution. Never, never have, never just gripe. This is a problem. This is how we can fix it. That, that's that's the, the logical process of if something is going wrong. Hey, this went wrong. This is how I'm fixing it. 
Um, when I report, so when I report to, so um, when I report to people, if something goes wrong, uh, so I'm, I have uh, obligations to, uh, I have obligations to my investors. In real estate, stuff goes sideways sometimes, all right? I never go to, I'm never going to go to an investor and be like, well, I don't know what happened. I'm saying, hey, you know what? Our, uh, our, our power went down at our gate um, in, uh, at our storage facility in Canyon Lake this week, okay? The, pow uh, the guy that built it uh, put a motor designed for an 800-pound gate with a 2,200-pound gate. The motor fried, okay? Um, so that went wrong. So the gate has to manually be open right now. But, hey, this went wrong, but here's how we're fixing it. We have a gate replacement coming out, uh, coming out um, on Tuesday. They're going to get it back up and running, okay? Uh, so the, that, that's just not really what he was talking about, but don't complain without a solution. Um, that, and that's, uh, I mean, that goes back to Dale Carnegie, never criticize, condemn, or complain. They're, they're, you're, nothing's going to, uh, nothing, you complaining isn't going to benefit anybody other than you're going to feel good for a few minutes and whoever you're complaining to is going to think less of you. They're, they're, they're going to think that you're, you know, a weak person. Now, it does, you are sometimes going to need to vent. And it might be a, so uh, I do this with, with Paul Lemnatos. Paul, you know, um, I, I need a, a couple minutes to vent. And I just go, and I just unload and I love venting to Paul because he's going to go, so what are you going to do about it? All right. And, and, and I mean, I, I love that check. I love having that check. Um, uh, something else, I always encourage questions from, from subordinates. Um, this, is, this is something that bugs me so much. Uh, too often leaders think they deserve to be respected because of their rank or experience. Too often, that, that no, your title doesn't mean anything. This, this was more... Um, in the corporate world. Um, when I was at Cadillac, um, number one, in, in a sales environment, number one never gets promoted. Number two and three get promoted because number one makes them too much money. Um, one of the, the just final straws that broke the camel's back for me at Cadillac is neither one of my managers were ever as successful at my job as I was. Um, one of my managers was the only person allowed to sell Hummers when Hummer introduced the H2. Okay, do you know how hard it was to sell Hummers um, when Hummer introduced the H2? Um, somebody would walk in and say, I want a black on black Hummer. And you'd say, well, I've got a yellow one with a pink interior. And they'd say, how much over sticker is it? I'll take it. That, that's how hard it was to sell Hummers when, when Hummers released. So that was one manager, the, the only guy in the store allowed to sell those, all right? Doesn't take a lot of sales experience. The other one was not good at sales, so they, but he was a good employee, so they promoted him to finance. He was good at finance, so they promoted him to the sales management. And they, neither one of them could do my job as good as I did my job, but they pulled rank because they had the title. Um, and we clashed a ton. Um, so don't pull rank just because you have it. Earn the respect. Um, uh, extreme ownership of everything. So if you haven't read Jocko's first book, extreme ownership, pick that up. That's a phenomenal book. You definitely need to pick up, 
um, uh, a copy of Extreme Ownership. Uh, I mean, that goes back to what I'm talking about, personal responsibility. It meant that, uh, that when something went wrong as the leader, it was my fault. It was my fault. Um, if I ever tell you something's wrong, I'm going to tell you how I screwed up and I'm going to tell you how I'm going to fix it. Okay. If I'm ever reporting something's wrong, it's always, this is, this is what happened. This is where I screwed up. This is why it's never going to happen again. And you have to have that attitude with whatever you're doing. Um, uh, uh, so this is a longer quote. If that is the case, uh, it is the leader's responsibility to identify that shortfall and either train the gunner so he does understand, remove the gunner from his position, and place him into a job he is capable of, or at a last resort, fire the gunner from the team if he cannot uh, do his job properly. So if somebody on your team screws up, you've got to go back and you've got to figure out how are you going to fix that so that doesn't happen again. Um, just if, if somebody reports to you, you are responsible for them. Um, taking extreme ownership means that leaders are responsible for every action the people on their team make. He goes on to talk about, um, while we can't control the weather, uh, we can certainly have a plan to deal with it. So you need to have the contingency plans for when, when uh, things don't go complete, completely according to plan. Uh, taking ownership uh, when you're being blamed. Yes, everything is my fault. I am the leader and I'm responsible for everything that happens, the good, the bad, and yes, this is my fault. And here is what I'm going to do to fix it. So exactly what I just said. Here's what happened. Here's where I failed. Here's why it's never going to happen again. Picking up brass. Um, Bowie, that's different than what you do on Friday night at the bar. I don't have anything to say other than that. Um, <laughs> um uh, uh, so one of the things that he talked about is your team, when you're in a leader, leadership position, your team is going to realize, um, that you add, you don't add the most value by doing the day-to-day -day stuff. I, I don't add the most value by doing the day-to-day -day stuff. My team wants me finding other deals. They want me raising money. They want me doing the things where I add the most value. Um, so the way Jocko said, my team wanted me looking up and out, not down and in. And he, and he used that phrase several times in this. As a leader, it's our job to look up and out at what are the possibilities uh, and, and where are we headed. Um, not necessarily in the day-to-day -day execution of everything. Sometimes that is. Sometimes we do the day-to-day -day execution of each detail. But as a leader, a lot of the times it's, how, how, do we, how do we establish the vision and how do we, uh, and how do we communicate that vision to our team? Um, so don't overreact. If you are told that a project is significantly off track, don't start yelling and screaming. Instead, calmly determine what is the cause of the problem and what support is needed to get the project back on track. Okay, another one of our storage facilities. Um, this, one has, uh, uh, this one has an apartment at the front of it, okay? This storage facility, it's in Pearland, it has an apartment at the front of the, of the storage facility. Um, our storage units rent from 50 to our, our very most expensive unit is $250. The apartment rents for $1,200 a month, okay? That makes a much bigger uh, impact 
on the value of on the value of that facility is having that apartment rented out and it was going vacant or and, and it wasn't being marketed properly okay we finished the rehab on it and it and it sat vacant for a month after we had the rehab done so when uh, in our property management call it was a this still isn't rented what are we why why isn't this renting oh well um uh, let me, let me, and I, and I said, pull it up and, and let's look at the listing. They hadn't listed it. They, they hadn't done the listing yet. Um, so it wasn't a overreaction. It was a get, let's get this listed right now. Okay. And within a week it, it got, it got listed. So that was, but that was my fault. That was my fault as a leader because I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't keeping a close enough pulse um, on that. So one of the things that we're doing right now is we talk about um, uh, as, as we're growing, as we're doing more, we build trust slowly. Okay. We build trust with, with our direct report slowly. Well, what we did was we gave them a little bit, our property managers, a little bit too much trust. All right. So now we're going to have to reel that in and we're going to do it. We do a little bit more micromanagement now. Um, and then once we get back up and running, then we'll start extending more trust, um, and more delegation. Um, everyone is different. Everybody's the same. Uh, he or she must know that various tools must, so this is, uh, talking, uh, about, uh, you know, a carpenter or a leader. He or she must know that various tools must be applied in distinctive ways to overcome the infinite number of one of a kind pieces of wood that exist. Michael, I'm sure that uh, this section uh, really resonated with you as negotiation uh, as much as it did for, for leadership. Um, as negotiators, we have a lot of tools in our tool belt. We have a lot of tools in our tool belt and each person is gonna be unique about how, are we, how do we need to communicate with this particular person? How do we need to identify what their exact problem is and which tool do I have in my tool belt that can solve this specific answer? And Brent, it's interesting you say that because that's, that's very, very true. And actually, I was just on a call a little while ago. An investor was asking me to help him get something under contract. And there was a, an agent involved. And afterwards, he goes, well, you know, you started off kind of calm and, 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 and nice, but you, you kind of got a little bit strong there. I said, yeah, but what did I uncover? I uncovered after I started hearing key words that he's trying to buy the property himself, the agent from the seller, that it's overpriced by $100,000, that the agent owns property in that neighborhood himself and is looking to add to his portfolio. I said, so every, the reason why I started off calm was because it was a normal conversation. And then when I realized there was a conflict of interest, yeah, I was gonna go down that rat hole and find out all the details. But let's now we know where we stand. And it's interesting terms. how there are times where you're, you know, where you're calm and you're nice and you're friendly. And there are times when you're going to be more direct. But point, there's always a reason why. Mm -hmm. and, and, you've got and I found out stuff. He had talked to this agent eight times and I found out stuff in 11 minutes. He never even knew existed. It's all the different tools in the tool belt. Um, and, and I mean, negotiation is leadership. 
Yep. Negotiation is, is, a, is a form of leadership. We're leading people. Um, we're leading our homeowners, our sellers to, uh, to find opportunities that are a great benefit uh, for them. We want, we want to make sure that we're finding mutually beneficial uh, uh, solutions to problems. Um, but going back to, to leadership, putting people in roles that make sense for their personalities. Um, that this is a, this is more of a, uh, managing yourself, um, for a lot of entrepreneurs is know, know what your personality is, know what you're good at and do what you're good at and partner with people that are, that are good at what you're not good at. Um, I'm horrible with operations. I am not good at day-to-day tasks. So I partner with people that are great at operations. I partner with people that are really good at managing uh, day-to-day tasks um, and good at getting in there um, uh, to, to get, I'm going to turn my camera off for just a second. Oh, All my right. world has gone dark. I know. I know. Um, so everyone has, uh, so this is uh, section three, the most important member of the team. Everyone has the most important job and let them know that. Um, letting people know that they're appreciated um, is huge. Let, letting people know that they're a valuable member of the team, a thank you goes so much farther than a paycheck. Um, gratitude goes a really, really long way. Um, this is something that uh, I would tell you to go listen to it, but I'm listening to a podcast from 2005. Um, but he was talking about, you know, just throwing money at a problem. That, that's not going to keep your employees happy. Just, just throwing money at them isn't, isn't going to keep, keep them happy. You've got to let them know that, that you appreciate them um, and that they add a lot of value to the team. All right. Um, uh, and then, of course, your goal is to transition every leader on your team into one who needs very little guidance so they can make things happen on their own. Um, so this goes back to... Um, I want to, as I grow people, as I grow people, I want them to be able to, to go on without me. Um, there's, a, there's a saying that the CFO says, what if we pay to train people and they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't train them and they stay? Um, so whenever I'm working with somebody, I want to grow them and give them the, sk- the skill sets that they can replace me. But they don't need me anymore. But when you invest in people, um, when you uh, make them want to be uh, on a team with you, uh, when you show gratitude, they're going to they're gonna grow and they're going to be able to perform their tasks without you. And that's how you automate a business. That's how you automate a business. The other thing is, is you, so this is, this is kind of dark strategy. I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll go there too. Don't teach them everything. Don't teach them everything. Teach them everything about one, one piece of your business. Teach them one thing about every piece of your business. He's not on the call. Um, my cousin, my cousin Josh knows everything there is to know about buying a property. Doesn't know how to raise the money for it. Um, now, if he just wanted, if he wanted to do nothing but wholesale deals, I'm replaceable. If he wants to, uh, he's not going to be able to buy rental properties. He's not going to be able to finance deals. So that's a, um, 
yes, I'm, I'm replaceable and he's incredibly loyal to me because I'm a great guy. No, because I, because I've, I've invested in him and I let him know how grateful I am, but I'm also not going to teach him everything. Um, if he wants to go out and, and develop his own relationships and, and build his own network for funding, great. He can do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to gift wrap the whole business. Uh, to that point, I was talking with somebody earlier, uh, actually yesterday, and he, uh, a newer investor, he had brought us a deal that he could not have messed up more if he had tried. And we were able to save it, resurrect it. Um, it ended up having a, a $20,000 lien that nobody knew about on the back end. I found the buyer. I then terminated with that buyer, found a new buyer at $12,000 more, got that signed all within the span of one hour between the termination of this. We ended up making $25,000 on his first deal. He calls me up a couple of days later. He's trying to compete with me now and he's asking for free advice because he doesn't want to sp spend the money to partner with us on a 50-50 deal. I was very polite. I was like, no. Yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. And that goes down into the I don't care part of the chapter. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to work with you, but don't sit here and tell me you're competing with me and you want free advice. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, that, that's part of running a business too. Um, I do most of my bar. So here's here, but here's something else that I, I borrow from Blink Lending because I like working with Paul. I borrow from Blink Lending because I like working with Paul and I pay, I think I pay 10% when I, when I borrow from Paul. You want to know the you want to know the uh, the funny thing about this? When I when I borrow from Paul at ten percent, I go and I find him an investor to buy that same note for eight percent. That that same but he makes the process so seamless that I am happy to pay him a two point uh, two percent spread on on my interest rate. I go and I find the investor. I I create I originate the loan with them, and then. Uh, and then I go find a new investor because they have, they have all of my docs already. I don't, there's not a, there's not a back and forth. They know my process. So I don't have to go reestablish this process every time. I just, uh, Hey, my loan is to blank. They're going to sell my note. And then I just bring in the note buyer too. But that's, that's something that I'm willing to, um, Clearly, I don't need. Clearly, I don't need to borrow from from Paul and Blake. I just like working with them, and I'm willing to to pay for the convenience. Well, yeah, you're paying for good service, and, and there's nothing wrong in that. Because if you went, if you cheaped out, and you maybe save a little bit on the back end, the, the amount of headaches it would cost you would be offset. So exactly. So I mean, and the and the, the two points. That's a few hundred bucks. It, it's a it's a few hundred bucks. And it just saves a, a big headache for me. Uh, and, and that allows me to know what I'm good at. And that allows me to focus more on what I'm good at than stuff that I hate. I hate paperwork. I loathe paperwork. So if I've got somebody that already has everything they need for the paperwork and all I have to do is give them the address and the purchase price, I get to, I get to step away from stuff that I hate that I'm not good at to spend more time on stuff that I love that I am good at. Um, this is going back to working with your team. So this goes back to kind of what I, I was talking about right when we started about my cousin with this wedding venue. Um, when people have no input, they have no ownership. When they have no ownership, they have no personal stake in driving the mission. Um, uh, 
had had I just said no, that's not what we do, then then he wouldn't have then then there wouldn't have been that development. There would have been you know a level of resentment instead of letting him walk through and process uh, of the um, of what was it that made this deal that it wasn't a, a great deal. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, the the biggest uh, the biggest thing with this land is it's 180 acres. But it only has uh, 400 feet of street front street frontage. Okay, so it has 400 feet of street frontage, and it's 180 acres. Um, uh, so I grew up on a farm that's 200 acres that has 7,000 feet of street frontage. Okay, we're we're talking about we're talking about a it, it shaped it's uh, uh, it's shaped like a. Uh, a vase. It's got a very small input and then it opens up behind some other property. Well, that's really hard to develop um, is, is one of the things that, that makes that deal a little bit more difficult. Uh, and just instead of just saying no, uh, we talked about, you know, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Now, and I like land. I love land. Okay. They're not making any more of it. I really like land as an investment. But there's certain things that I have to have. And when I buy land, I buy it cheap. I buy it cheap, 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 cheap. Um, uh, but it, it has to have good frontage. Because if I'm going to subdivide, if I don't have to cut roads, I save a ton of money. On this, I have to cut a ton of roads, and that really cuts into the, into the profit. Um, but by sitting and, and asking that series of questions, that invested in him. That, that taught him. Um, this is something else that I really like. The best performing athletes in the world reach greatness because of how hard they push themselves, not how hard others push them. And th this is something that we've got to, we've got to push ourselves. Um, we really, really have to push ourselves um, uh, for, for greatness. Um, uh, this is talking about uh, pride. When team members have pride, they put in the extra work, care about the details, and accordingly tend to perform at a much higher level than a team or organization without pride. So th this goes back to letting people know how grateful you are for them and, and what a great job they're doing and how they're improving the company um, and helping and, and you know helping with your company's goals and your company's mission. I mean, our company's goals and our company's mission is you know we want to help homeowners and we want to give investors great returns. All right, those those are those are what we're we're, we're driving towards. Right. Um. All right. So this goes back to the wedding venue. Now, if their plan was simply terrible with almost no redeeming qualities, then I would ask them questions until they realized how bad it was. That's that's the wedding venue. Uh. uh the, I, and I'm not saying that wedding venues are, are not great investments, but this is 180 raw acres that we're going to have to build everything from the ground up. There's no existing structure. So that, that's, that's the best quote. And I actually had it highlighted um, when there's almost no redeeming qualities. Um, and then uh, there was a section on yes men. Um, I didn't highlight anything specifically there. If we agree about everything, one of us serves no purpose. If we agree about everything, one of us serves no purpose. Um, I want people that are going to challenge me. Um, that, that's who I want to work with and who I want to partner with.
Um, and that is, uh, that's kind of the, my highlights from that section. I'm getting really good at timing this to where I just eat away everyone's time <laughs> so no one else gets to talk. <laughs> May we hear from John Yu? Your insights, please. Yeah, a lot of it Brent already covered. Uh, I my my personal experience with active real estate invest investing is way smaller than both these gentlemen's combined. So I don't have that so much of those experience as as these guys, but uh, I do have some experience, more experience in international trading and uh, business. And uh, I have to say that um, I have watched. Uh, various leaders before and there's one type of leader I really don't like and that's late that's the leader that pushes all the faults that happens to the company to his employee and uh, and I I was uh, I was part of um, a transaction that resulted in a tremendous loss for a company uh, that was dealing with logistics uh, transportation and it was it had to do with governmental issue and the guy wanting to you know improve his sales or whatever. And the guy, um, the owner of the logistic company, fired the guy because he made him lose I think like somewhere close to three hundred and seventy five hundred thousand dollars in one transaction. Uh, well, you know, and and I was a good friend with the guy, but what happened was. Um, exactly like what Brent said, after this guy left the company, the company's overall sales decreased by about 65% in the, in the uh, next two years because the guy was such a hustler that he brought in a bulk of his business. And after he was fired from the company, what happened was he uh, used his connections with all of the clients and he set up another logistic company that would became a direct competitor with his old boss. So, you know, it's just, you know, if, if the guy had kept uh, the, the salesman and just said, oh, I understand that it's an honest mistake and you, how are you gonna you know, fix that or whatever and not fire the guy, he would have retained 65% or more of his total sales. So, you know, that's a direct um, example of what I, can, I, what I can say from personal experience uh, in that regard. Uh, a second thing that I have some personal, I guess, connection with, uh, what in it, from the book is that, um, uh, there are, so, so there's obviously the, I don't care part. And that's, I, I think everybody can, can relate to that. The second, the other part is, is really kind of like what, what we were talking about before, you know, anyone, everyone is born different. Okay. Unfortunately, we don't live in a world where we are all six feet tall with 200 something pounds of muscle and can do this and that, right. You know, I, there are certain parts of me that is better than, you know, both Brent and Michael. And there's definitely certain parts of them that are better than me and so on and so forth. Uh, I believe that people can achieve great things, uh, through hard work, but there's definitely a difference in, in just, you know, born differences in your DNA, but all the people that are successful, let's, let's put it this way. If you work hard, there's no guarantee that you will become the best. 
or be successful. But no one that is successful did not work that uh, did not work hard. Let's just put it that way. So I, it, it goes hand in hand with even though there's a lot of inequality in life, still if you don't put the work into it, there's going to be no results. And it is especially uh, especially true in in any physical um, attribute of of any business. So uh, those are those are a couple things that I can see. I see that Bowie here has a lot of comments, and so does Juan. Let's just put them in and have them talk, because they probably have more to contribute. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. So Jeff, how about let's get the attendees into the panelists portion. So we're going to be um, having the networking portion now. So we're going to allot a few minutes for our attendees to say something. Um, your reaction to our coverage for today, sections two and three. Probably we're going to begin with um, Bowie, who's mentioned a lot of comments in our chat box. So Bowie, would you like to start? Um, real quick before we do that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, let's for next week uh, read part two, sections one and two. So right. read up to page 209. All right. So part two, sections one and two. That's all for next week. Thank you, Brent. So Bowie or Juan? Juan Valadez? Yeah. Well, yeah, right, I, there's Bowie. This this book was exceptional. I've already read the whole thing since uh, in a week, and I'm already starting to reread it. And I ordered uh, the uh, Extreme Ownership book um, from Amazon. But uh, I've already used it. I put a comment in there when I found out there was a pretty major problem with the rehab of a, one of my properties, and uh, found out about it yesterday. And you know, I could have blamed the general contractor. Because you know that, he was responsible, but I blamed myself and said, you know, I I, I should have been out here more frequently. I, I that's basically all I said, you know. After I, you know, he could tell, you know, that things were really messed up. I didn't need to tell him, you know. He knew it, and um, so I I just said, you know, I I've got to I got to take the blame for this. I should have been out here a lot more frequently, and uh, and I just talked to him right before this call, and he he was out there with his crew working his butt off today to get caught back up and I didn't have to tell him to do a damn thing you know it just he did it on, on his own initiative um, straight out of my what I learned from this book last week that's why we do this getting better every day thank you Bowie thanks thanks friend thanks everyone uh, I, hey Bowie I, I I mean personally I enjoyed uh, Extreme Ownership uh, more than I have this book. I love this book, but Extreme Ownership, I think, was, was, uh, was more powerful. So I think you really enjoy that book. Well, I, I really didn't appreciate John's comments right now because I, I became a real estate investor because I wanted to grow six inches and put on about 50 pounds of muscle and become rich, you know, like in two weeks. And none of that has happened, so I might just drop off. I think we should see if you're practicing extreme ownership. Do you remember how to pronounce my last name from last week? Jeff Oh, wow. Good boy. You got two points. Just check. Hey, 
my, my name is Juan Valdez, so everybody call me Juan Valdez, like the coffee guy. So I always like to get people's names right. Um, I, I, but but I, I, really, I really appreciated what you guys have said. And um, I liked the picking up brass part. Uh, I liked what he says, you know, that no job. I think he meant to say no job was below him, not necessarily no job was above him. But, but I like that because I think it has many benefits. I think he, you know, one, it, it shows that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do the job, so you have to do it as well. It, it builds relationships, it builds respect. But, but also, it, 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 like he said at the end, you know, it, it also makes him aware of who's slacking off. And I don't think he meant it in the sense that, hey, like he said, I'm not just going to go fire the guy. I'm going to go talk to him, mentor him, and say, hey, you need to pick up the slack. Because if you don't, the door's right there. So I think, I think, you know, extreme ownership is always holding myself accountable, but also teaching that to your, your peers, your colleagues, your employees, or whatever, and teaching them extreme ownership as well. So they, they're not sitting there pointing the finger at other people. So... That, that, that's what I got. This is the, so out of, out of this book. So uh, I'm still I'm still waiting on my 50 pounds of bulk. So we'll 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 see what happens next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Juan. How about Israel, Yelena, David, Robert? Would you like to say something? I, I'd love to hear Israel's opinion. Israel's got a unique perspective just with with your background. Yeah. Um, thanks for uh, letting me come on. Um, yeah, it, I pretty much lived this for at least 15 years of my life because I was in special forces on special forces teams and exactly how, how I'm listening because I'm listening to it on audible, but, uh, man, it reminds me so much of everyday team life. Um, uh, always, you know, looking for work in the houses, uh, out at the ranges, you know, picking up brass, uh, over in Afghanistan, I was the junior guy on our team, and my captain was was doing exactly kind of like uh, he's talking about in the book, put me in charge of, of a pretty big mission, and I had to plan it all out, you know, and everything. He gave me a couple of course corrections, but uh, overall, you know, he let me have the mission, let me have full control of it, and it was a successful mission. So, I mean, that, that sets up, you know, so much of of trying to get your junior people involved and uh, in what we do in real estate. All right, thank you so much, Israel. How about David, Robert, before we go? It's okay, probably next week. I'm sorry, guys, but that is all the time we have. It's such been a fruitful discussion, and we're looking forward to more next week. So once again, thank you so much for being with us, and see you all next week for another session of the Book Club. Bye-bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts, or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.